Today we arrive to the final conversation in this year's Love Like This series. And today we're going to specifically talk about Love Like This, Help People Find Jesus Healing. As I've meditated on the scripture and the passage surrounding this discipleship conversation, it has really impacted me deeply and personally. And I'm so excited with that. Today, we get to interview somebody really special who does indeed help so many people find Jesus healing. His name is Chauncey Labrie, and he is the founder, along with his wife, of the Way Out Ministries here in Colorado Springs. So let's get this episode going. What truth are we speaking into the next generation? What legacy are we creating for those we care about? Are we making a difference so our kids know Jesus? Hi, my name is Tasha Williams, and the answers to these questions really matter to me. And if you're a Christ follower, I'm sure they matter to you too. I'm the founder of the Family Disciple Me ministry, and we are convinced that there's power in our Jesus stories, that God's Word is life-changing, and that discipleship doesn't have to be intimidating. So join us as we talk about faith, scripture, relevant topics, intentional discipleship, and the next generation. Friends, it starts with a conversation. So let's get going with this podcast right now. Today, as we begin this podcast, I am so excited to get to have with us a special guest, Chauncey Labrie of Way Out Ministries. And before I introduce him, I have to tell about him and my first encounter with him. And it came in terms of a sweatshirt that says Community All-Stars. And Chauncey, you gave that to my husband and my husband gave it to me. And it is my new favorite sweatshirt. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And Chauncey, I have to tell you, I think you have the coolest name. It is the coolest name. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is a privilege and an honor, a blessing to be here. Thank you. We have been talking about the series Love Like This in Family Disciple Me this month. And we have talked about several different tangible ways that God wants us to love like this. And my goal with this series was to reach out to different ministries and find out exactly how you and your ministry love. And Chauncey, I am so delighted to welcome you as the leader of Way Out Ministries here in Colorado Springs. Would you tell us a bit about your ministry that you and your wife started? Yes. Well, we are a ministry who works with at-risk youth in the community. We are partnered with uh, school districts. We pride ourselves on loving the next generation and leading and guiding by example. Um, We have a community all-star program, which is an incentive program. Uh, We believe that hard work does actually pay off. And so we We like to teach our students, our kids, that if you put your all into something, there is a reward at the end of your efforts. So then is the sweatshirt that I acquired, is that one of the incentives that the kids can have is just earning special things like that? That's one of the incentives 
that okay. they can earn <laughs> by uh, good behavior, maintaining their academics, community services, random acts of kindness, those sorts of things. Chauncey, when did you and Jen start Way Out Ministries, and why did you start this ministry? Well, we started our ministry in 2016, and the reason being is because we were looking around our community and seeing the need, and we were seeing that there was nothing for our youth to engage in. They were kind of wandering the community, kind of lost in not knowing what to do or what to do with their time. Uh, we felt that it was very needed that we come alongside them, that we, we, we engage them in a way that promotes relationship, that gives them guidance and support through the everyday life that they live, through the struggles, through the difficulties, through the hardships in the home, in the school, in the community. Uh, I've learned at an early age in my life that kids need adult people in our lives that we can trust, that we can depend on, that we can bounce things off of, you know, um, someone that we can confide in. Um, and so we want it to be that for these kids. We want it to be that for the kids in the community, the families in the community. I think we all need role models in our lives, someone that could give us hope and inspire us to be the best us that we can be. Which really is the heart of discipleship, right? Correct. Whether we call it discipleship or mentorship or friendship, it is that decision to invest in the next generation. Yes. What is your personal motivation for that? Do you have a Jesus story about what that looked like in your life as a young person, as a child, that made you want to offer that to others? Yes. When I was a child, um, I had a lot of areas in which I was gifted in. I was talented in a lot of ways, um, but neglected in a lot of ways, not saying that my parents were neglecting me and not loving me as they should, but they were busy with life. They worked and they had their own struggles and things that they were dealing with. And as a young kid, um, I didn't really understand that, but I was seeking out. I was looking for, I was in need of support guidance. I was in need of someone who could acknowledge the gifts and the talents that I had. Um, I needed someone that could recognize those things and help point me in the right direction, give me opportunities to succeed in life, um, throw things at me where it would have me open my mind and think differently, um, change my perspective on a lot of life issues or goals or direction that I could go in, you know, I, I needed that guidance. And so that's why we do what we do, because I believe that as children, without that proper guidance, without a trusted adult in their life, how could we navigate through the difficulties of life? I'm curious, Chauncey, when did you come to Jesus? How did that happen? Well, <laughs> 
I came to Jesus after making many, many, many mistakes in life. I made a lot of poor choices in my life, and those poor choices led me into a destructive life pattern, um, which ended me or landed me in prison, rather. Um, And around 2013, I came to the end of myself when my father passed away from cancer when I was in prison the last time and I wasn't able to make it to his funeral. Um, My childhood sweetheart, my wife at the time, uh, we were having some serious issues due to the choices that I was making. And um, yeah, we ended up separating, which led to a divorce. And so anyways, I found myself really at the end of myself. And I knew God in my life at an early age. I've, I could say I've had a relationship with him and I've experienced his goodness and his intervention in my life in times past. And here I was in this place of despair, knowing that I needed more. And I knew that Jesus was the more. And so I found myself at a fork in the road where it was clear as day, life or death. And I had a choice, a decision to make at that time. And I chose life. I knew that Jesus was the one who could heal me of all the pain and all the suffering and all the heartache. And he could restore me back to the person that he has created me to be. And so, yeah, that was my life-changing moment. And I haven't looked back since. God has been everything to me. Amen. So right there in prison, you made your way back to Jesus. Yes. And to the healing that he had for your life. Absolutely. Which is a powerful segue into the theme verse that you chose for this discipleship conversation. Do you want to be healed? And Chauncey, I have meditated on this so much. And I'm curious as we dive into this verse and into this passage, what is God saying to you through this passage? What has he said to you through this passage? This is a very powerful passage for me, um, just because I've had many opportunities to make changes in my life. I've seen God at work in my life in a, in a very impacting way. And yet I still chose to make the poor choices that I was making. And so I believe that God gives us an opportunity to be made well, to be healed, uh, to be reconciled unto himself. But it's our choice and it's a decision that we must make and stand on. Can't no one else make this decision for us. And so until we come to a place where we recognize that we need help, that we're in a place of despair or we're having some issues in our life that we can't fix on our own, nor can anyone else fix, but Jesus, I mean, we have to say yes to him. And so once we say yes, then there's there's effort on our part. There's work on our part that we need to 
that we need to, you know, put forth in order for us to go through that whole healing process. And I know that through that process, Jesus walks with us in that healing process. So when he asked the man um, at the pool of Bethesda, when he asked him, do you want to be made well? The man had that infirmity for 38 years prior to that question. And he was comfortable within his own community. So you have a community of invalids. And that community was, you know, they were blind, lame, paralyzed. And in a a lot of ways, if we look at our lives, we have some of those symptoms within us that we struggle with. We don't see too clearly oftentimes. Sometimes we're paralyzed in our in our current state, you know, uh, comfortable in our workplace, comfortable in our habit patterns, comfortable in who we've created ourselves to be, right or wrong. I mean, we, we, we're comfortable and we're stuck in that place a lot of times. And sometimes it's us not seeing what we need to work through in order for us to change for the better. So a lot of times people from the outside can see a lot of things that we can't see ourselves. But until we acknowledge those things and we accept those things to be true, there's no way we can make a decision whether or not we want to change to be healed or to move past those things in our life. So that verse really stood out to me because it was it was me who had to come to the realization that I was broken. I could not fix myself. I could not get myself out of this deep hole that I had dug for myself over the span of my lifetime. And so once I came to that decision, or once I came to that realization, then I was able to say, yes, Jesus, I, I, I see that I need to be healed. I see that I have a lot of issues, a lot of struggles in my life that, that I cannot, I cannot even face on my own. And I need you. So being in the work of people and community uh, over the last years working with inmates coming out of prison, working with addicts, working with, you know, people who just have real struggles in life. I come to realize that there's nothing that we could do as individuals but lead them to a place where they're aware of whatever it is that they're faced with, whatever it is they're struggling with, whatever is hindering them from making that 180 change. Um, and so, yeah, the question is, do you want to be healed? I mean, that's, that's up to them. It's up to us whether we want to or not. And once we make that decision, there's, there's a lot of work and effort that must go into that change with the help of Christ and with the help of your mentor or whoever it is that's going to help walk and guide you through that process. 
as I was meditating on this passage, I was looking at the invalid man's response. His first response wasn't, yes, I want healing, or no, I don't want healing. His first response was sort of an excuse. Mm -hmm. I don't have anyone to help me. Right. And I absolutely agree with you that it is a personal answer. You have to make the decision. I want to be healed. But then there is that place within the body of Christ that we bring people to that point. We bring Jesus to them, in effect. Um, in that amazing story, Jesus found that man in the midst of the crowd and asked him the question, we have the opportunity to be his hands and feet and take him to people and say, do you want to be well? Um, but that man's response was, I don't have anyone to help me. Chauncey, I was thinking about that response and paralleling it to another story found in Mark 2, where there were the four friends who had an invalid, paralyzed friend, and they said, we're bringing this dude to Jesus. We are taking him to Jesus. And I tried to look up to see which story happened first. I just wonder if those four friends heard about the paralyzed man at Bethesda's response, where he said, I have no one to help me. And they said, well, there's four of us and we can carry our friend to Jesus. So literally, it's one of the best kids Bible stories in Sunday school ever, but literally they carry him to this house that is just thronged by people surrounding Jesus. He's inside the house, he's teaching, he's talking, and there's no way to get into the house. So they go up on the roof and they dismantle the roof and lower their friend to Jesus saying, we want him to experience healing. That's the way I understand Way Out Ministries is that you are bringing people and setting them before the, the feet of Jesus so that he can directly ask them the question. What is your thought about that? Wow. <laughs> That's good. My first thought is, okay, they both, Jesus and the friends, expressed interest. They expressed genuine concern. They expressed compassion for, you know, the friend and for the the man uh, at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, but then there was also a point where Jesus asked permission. And I'm pretty sure the 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 friends also asked permission of them of their friend because they wouldn't have went through all of that trouble if he had no desire to sit before Jesus. And so that permission came in the form of do you want or the question do you want to be made well? And so the man had to answer, the friend had to answer yes or no. And then the opportunity came. And so once they got permission, once Jesus got permission, then they gave him opportunity. Jesus gave the man opportunity. The friends gave an opportunity to their friend to sit before the feet of Jesus and to be healed. Um, so, yes, we at Way Out, we like to offer that. So we... You know, we express interest in others. We express a genuine concern for others and we, we are compassionate towards others. And we also ask permission. We ask permission like, Hey, do you want to be made well? Do you want to change your life? Would you like to see 
things from a new perspective, you know, um, and then we provide the opportunity for them to experience the newness of life, where, uh, experience opportunities where they could invest in their life change. Can you share a story where you saw somebody say, yes, I want to be healed and then experience something powerful with Jesus? I think the latest was a young student, 14, 15 years old, um, when school started back with the whole online platform and, uh, you know, we all trying to figure things out, uh, students trying to figure out how to navigate through online schooling. Um, I had a student, she didn't want to participate in the online schooling. I think it was too difficult for her to navigate through. Uh, and there was a lot of, a lot of issues going on in the household. And so she was pretty depressed. Um, she was discouraged. Uh, she didn't really know what to do, but she knew that she had to help her family through this situation. And so she started to sell drugs in order to help provide for, for her family. Um, and so she did that for a while, and we've had several conversations around her making this decision and, and neglecting school in order to be in the streets and do this thing that could temporarily help provide for her family. Um, and she knew that it wasn't right, but she felt like she had to, like it was, she felt obligated to contribute. And so through several conversations that we've had and, and me, um, encouraging her and helping change her perspective on the way that she viewed this situation, uh, she recognized or she, yeah, she recognized that she had other areas in her life that she was gifted in that she could potentially make some money to help her family. And so she had a passion for cutting hair, 14, 15-year-old girl. She had a passion for cutting hair, set herself up to where she could start um, earning some money cutting her friend's hair. And so she got really involved in that and cut a few heads and <laughs> and noticed that it was very productive and it was meeting the need and she enjoyed it. It was a passion, low risk, you know. <laughs> and so she ended up stopped. She stopped selling drugs and she really pursued this new avenue of revenue. <laughs> and I seen the light bulb go off and she noticed that she was actually good at something and and the same thing that she was talented in could provide for her and her family and so yeah it's not a come to jesus moment but at the same time it's a change of perspective moment to go back to that story in John 5, it describes the setting, mm -hmm. and it says it was at Bethesda Pool, it was at a certain gate, and it had five porticos, mm -hmm. and those porticos were porches or entrances 
Basically, they were places into which people could enter and congregate and gather. And I thought, what an amazing analogy for ministry. Could you highlight a couple of those quote-unquote porticos into your ministry? I I look at the pool as life, life-giving, and the porticos as communities. And so each portico is its own community with hopefully a church or members of that community that offers life or that has an entryway into life, which means investment. So we, yeah, we invest in our community. We invest in the lives of those within that community and the opportunities that we give are life-giving. They're, they're life-changing if one was to take advantage of what's being offered. If someone wanted to get in touch with you about your ministry and becoming a part of that, how should they do that? Well, they can go to our website at wayoutministries.org, or they can email us at info at wayoutministries.org. Excellent. Well, as we finish this podcast and send our listeners out, would you have a charge for us? Would you have an encouragement to give us as we go seek to love like this in the world and in the relationships that God has given us? Yes. The charge is be kind. God has given me that word a few weeks ago. And being kind even when people are not so kind, is powerful. Kindness plays a huge role in how people view Christ. Because here we are, believers, claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ. And when we respond in love, when we respond in kindness, that just magnifies His name. And so... I guess the charge is to be kind to one another and to invest the time that God gives you into a life. You never know what that person is going through. You never know the impact that you can have on a life. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Chauncey, for being here with us today. Thank you for your ministry and your testimony. Thank you for sharing your testimony with us. And I know there are so many other pieces that we haven't had time to talk about today, but thank you for entrusting us with part of your story and may God bless you and your marriage and your ministry. Thank you so much. It was a blessing being here today. Thank you. Thank you for joining Chauncey and I in this podcast episode. The discipleship conversation that goes along with this podcast can be found in the show notes below, or you can go to familydiscipleme.org. Now, friend, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. Go with God, friend. Until next time.